We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Rocket Room production. What's up, Brett? What's up, Nick? How are you? We're doing well, man. We're trying to get Dan in here right now. He can't find the Good. room. I don't know how you three geniuses ended up finding the room, but Dan is struggling right now. I took a little bit of extra scrolling, which is good, I guess. There's a lot of locker room things going on tonight. A little bit of extra scrolling. I think I just tweeted it. I'm not sure. But uh, anyways, what's going on, Brad? How you doing, man? Uh, just waiting on Dave Gettleman to do some things. I don't know. Just... I don't know what's up. I don't know what to think. Yeah, no, I, I fully understand. I actually just got an update on my phone that the Carolina Panthers – are yeah, signing Has- Reddick. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. I, I I don't have any details on the deal quite yet. Uh, but we'll we'll see. He was one I was hoping for because I think I'm still in the camp that Galladay isn't the right fit. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if they signed him, but I'd much rather use the cap money, get an edge rusher, maybe get another corner, fill the receiver needs in the draft. Yeah, that but would be Reddick the- was one I had my eye on, and that's unfortunate. I think I saw in the alert I got that it was a one-year deal, so who knows? I feel like next offseason is already going to be pretty wild. Brad, that cuts deep if that's a one-year deal, man, because that's like Dan and I were just talking about on the podcast we released. There's going to be a lot of one- to two-, three-year deals from these guys in their mid-20s because they're all going to want to get another bite at the apple, you know? That cap is just going to go up, and they know that. Their agents know that. That sucks, though, that uh, that the Giants aren't going to be able to get someone like Hassan Reddick. I really think he would have meshed well with what Patrick Graham's looking to do on defense. I'm just joining on now. How much did Reddick go for and to where? He joined up to with the Panthers, and the contract details I have not seen yet. It literally just broke. Okay, one-year deal? Uh, according to Brett, I haven't seen that, though, either. Yeah, I just okay. saw someone tweeted out. It's a one-year, $8 million deal. Hopefully he's not that troll that uh, <laughs> that's on Giants Twitter saying that the Giants signed Kenny Galladay. Do you see that, Brett? 
I did see that. I was actually starting to ask, poke around and ask some of the guys that are verified and I trust jumping <laughs> in their mentions. Like, have you heard of this guy? I've never seen him before. And it looks like he just started his Twitter account like a few weeks ago. I know. Got everyone in a tizzy. Got I, would, in a- I would say that that guy for sure uh, clearly is a troll. I looked it up. He's new to Twitter, so it's just a troll account. But Patrick Walker from CBS Sports, my colleague, who's been right on – he's only – Literally only broken Giants news two times before this, and he's been right both times from his source. He breaks a lot of Dallas Cowboys news, um, broke a lot of news on the Dak Prescott contract. He also tweeted out earlier today that the Giants were making a strong push to try to sign Kenny Galladay. Now, he didn't say the deal was done, but he said they're making a strong push for it. Um, So that definitely piqued my attention, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, We'll see where they go from there, and we'll see if that actually – comes to fruition but i would guess the giants are in on him based on that because he doesn't tweet very uh if he's tweeting about it, it's because he's actually hearing something yeah that makes sense man Brett, you got anything else bro no i'm just i'm just waiting look at the end of the day i mean i don't i don't love the booker signing but that's either neither here nor there um it i wasn't make, it wouldn't I, be the they just got to fill some holes and yes. that was definitely not a hole. And I think there's a lot of receiver depth in the draft. Which well, I, that's I, what I'm excited about, which is why I'm not like amped up to go sign Galladay unless the terms make sense, which given Gall- uh, Gettleman's history, I don't know if I'm optimistic about I would argue that the there was a hole. The, the Giants did need to find somebody. It's just that the contract makes no sense why are you giving devonta booker a two-year up to six million dollar deal nobody's going to give that player that it just absolutely doesn't make any sense i think it i think the giants wanted to add somebody who could play on special teams and be a backup running back because wayne gallman basically if saquon barkley's healthy wayne gallman's probably not going to dress which we saw this season anyway so i think that's an objective that they achieved but why spend that much? It just doesn't add up for me. And Dan and I, we spoke at nauseum about it a couple podcasts ago. And it's it's just very frustrating. And anybody who's joining, if you guys want to speak, please click the little microphone at the bottom right of your screen. Yeah, and again, we're not going to double down on it and go all in on this. But the biggest issue with the with the Booker signing was the timing of it. That's not a signing you ever want to rush to make in day one. You want to wait out the veteran free agent running back market for the backup running backs. You got to wait it out because – there's value that's going to be had at the end of it. There's going to be value on day. I'm sorry, wait, the second and third wave of free agency in a week or two. Quite frankly, I'd rather have Marlon Mack. He signed for $2 million, a one-year deal with the Colts. He re-signed there. I'd rather have Marlon Mack. He does different things. Maybe he's not as good in pass pro, yada, yada. But he's got actual talent. He's got actual burst. And he's someone who intrigues me. And I liked him a lot as a prospect. And I'd rather have juice on the field at running back. Someone who can force missed tackles and create yards after contact, to be honest. And someone who's still young. Now, I know he's coming off an ACL. But the point is, he signed for one year, $2 million. So I, I don't have an issue with the actual sign, like who they signed in Devontae Booker. It's just the process. You don't need to rush out to the to the start of day one in free agency and drop $6 million on a on a backup running back who is likely going to just hang around and who made only eight hundred eighty k last year. So it, it was just a process issue, um, but it is what it is. I mean, Gettleman has never strayed from what he believes in. What he believes in is you got to run the football, you got to stop the run. He's never never going to stop adding uh, putting resources into adding players that he believes can help them run the football and stop the run. And so it is what it is. But like you said, it's not the end of the world. It's two years, six million. So I don't think that's anything too crazy. Yeah, yeah. We could have been, we could be Bears fans and stuck with Andy Dalton as our starter on the first day of free agency. So <laughs> yeah, could I mean, be way worse. Be, yeah. 
I, I'd honestly prefer Andy Dalton to Nick Foles, to be honest, too, which is just a whole other thing. That's just a crap situation. The Bears cannot get that right. All righty, we got another speaker coming up, though. Brett, you good? I'm good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, man, you take care of yourself. Take buddy. it easy, Brett. Same here. All right, Luke. Lucas, let's get you in here, Lucas. All righty. There we go. Lucas, what's good, bro? Hey. How you doing? Uh, good. How are you guys? I'm chilling, man. All right. I've actually, I'm actually doing pretty well, actually. <laughs> yeah, Dan's in Vegas. Oh, boy. No wonder he hasn't been tweeting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, here's a big question for you, Dan. Does Booker have more bursts than Alfred Morris? Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. He definitely has more bursts than Alfred Morris. I think Nick actually probably – I know he's been grinding the film on Booker, and I think he put up one, one or two clips from Booker. I don't hate Booker as a prospect. I think he, I, I liked him a little bit coming out of college. He had a lot of tread on the tires. He was basically used as a pure workhorse there. But I think he's a he's an okay player. It's a, it's the process for me. It's just you just can't go out on day one and fire off the backup running back when you know that market is a guarantee to have value at the end of it in the second and third waves. You know, one, two, three weeks from now. Um, so it is what it is, though. At least it was only six million, I guess. Um, but. Yeah, I, I would rather have him than Alfred Morris if you're asking me that. It's just like all these little contracts. Gettleman does this a lot, though, man. And, Dan, you and I have talked about like the Levine right. Tolo contract, the Jonathan Stewart contract. David Mayo. David, like no one's giving these contracts to these players. No other team is going out and being like, I'm going to sign Devontae Booker to a two-year, $6 million deal. Gettleman could have got this deal for two years probably like three million half of that like I don't think there were teams that were clamoring to go out and sign Booker and like Dan has said even if there were let's let this play out let free agency play out the veteran running back market can be had weeks down the line I don't I just don't see why they did that with with that money amount it just it just doesn't add up to me doesn't really make a lot of sense yeah for sure yeah so uh where do you think uh the Giants should address next with uh free agency on like some depth depth pieces well I'll say this I know they're they feel like they've struck out I feel like they've struck out a bit on the edge market um I know at least according to Jordan Ronan who's pretty legit he said that they were making a strong push for Leonard Floyd I imagine they offered something similar to what the Rams offered him but he wanted to go back to the Rams it's a good defense to play and it must be nice to be an edge rusher on Aaron Donald's defense you know it must feel pretty good with Jalen Ramsey back there locking down a wide receiver and, you know, the ability to use your safeties in different ways. It's probably a good defense to play on. So I don't blame him for re-signing there. And I think that the fact that they made that push shows they're interested in fixing edge. Now, uh, according to Brett, who was just on here, it must have broke the minute we went on the app. So I'm not sure. I haven't seen the details. But Hassan Reddick signed a one-year deal with Carolina. That's a player we really wanted for the Giants, without a doubt. Um, so that's somebody we thought they could sign. They could bring in. He's someone who hadn't really played the edge much for Arizona. They tried to mix and match him in different spots. And finally, when they put him on the edge, he was impressive. He looked like the player they drafted uh, in Arizona. So I, I thought he would be a nice fit, cheap, even at one year, eight million. I would have loved to see the Giants make that swing. But with him off the market, it's starting to dwit to you know dwindle down there. I think they'll ultimately sign an edge. I'm not sure who it will be. I think they'll actually sign two edges. I think one might be Fackrell coming back, but. I think they'll re-sign Fackrell potentially and then get another free agent edge. I just, at this point, you know, it's probably going to be a second or third wave guy. I think all their depth pieces, I at least hope, with the exception of Booker, who's already been signed, will be second and third wave guys because that's where the value is. Um, but I think if you're looking for positions, edge and corner would be the two that I would focus on. Yeah, I would, I would actually second that edge and corner. 
And I'm, I think Fackrell and Sheard, Jabal Sheard is another player. I don't think they'd be too uh, averse to bring him back by any stretch of the imagination. I'm trying to like think about other edge prospects. Like I know I've talked about Tano Passanio in the past. Maybe bringing someone like that in might fit that mold. Just an incredibly long, physically gifted type of player. But I even think about someone like Solomon Thomas, who high upside type of guy, former, what, third overall pick back in 2017. I'm wondering if they would want to roll the dice with someone like that, who's not necessarily a typical edge because he's like 280 pounds, but he has an incredible athletic profile coming off of an injury. You can have him probably. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. Yep, I agree with it. some of those, you know, high high upside, low risk signings, I think are probably priority now. Okay, so final question is, do you think they tried and go after like a former teammate of Logan Ryan's, uh, Malcolm Butler? And uh, where do you guys, last question is, where do you guys think uh, the we are in the hunt for Galladay? I think, personally, I think Butler is definitely going to be in play. It looks like my, hopefully you guys can still hear me. My signal's weak. Like I said, I'm out here in Vegas right now. We're trying to make, do the best we can with what we got going here. But yeah, I think Butler, especially if his market is as cool as it's been and as I expected to be, he's kind of, you know, hasn't had the biggest market since signing there. I think he'd be a nice fit. I also think he'd be a nice fit specifically for Patrick Graham's defense. So it's, it's assuming like they can get him on a cheap, similar one year type contract to the one logan ryan signed last year i would actually really like that as far as the galladay goes and i'll turn over to nick and see what he thinks i think the giants are definitely in play for galladay like i said before patrick walker has a really good track record here i spoke to him he's my colleague and my friend and i spoke to him specifically about this tweet that he said about the giants trying to uh going really hard and trying to close in on this galladay deal it's from a source who's only broken giants news to him two times before this and he's been right on both occasions one was golden tate um and i forgot the other one but the fact of the matter is, I think they're going in on this. I think they're trying to sign Galladay. But I think when stuff happens like this, when you start to hear news like the Giants are closing in, other teams call Galladay's agent. agent and Galladay's agent gets on the phone with other teams. And they compare offers and they bring it back to the Giants. And they say, now we want this. Now we want that. I mean, he's still, even though his market hasn't developed as maybe some people thought he would, he's still going to be a commodity right now. There's plenty of teams that could use wide receiver help on the market. And so it's not like they're going to get any kind of bargain. It's not like you're going to see him sign super cheap after all, even with the Giants or something like that, and be like, oh, what happened? It's He's still going to get paid. Um, so it just depends who it is. I think they are in on him, though. I would, I would say yes. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. Just basically everything Dan just said is just going to come down to the money. And as for Malcolm Butler, I, I think it would be a good fit as well. The one thing I would say is, remember – Last time we saw him as a New England Patriot, he was benched for a Super Bowl. So we don't exactly fully know what happened there, but there could be something that Joe Judge knows that we do not that may lead Judge to not want somebody like that. That's a good point as well. Yep, you take care of yourself. All right, we're going to bring in Arthur. Hey, guys, can you hear me okay? Hey, what's up, Arthur? How you doing? Yeah, what's going on? Good, how are you guys doing? We're chilling, man. Pretty good. Okay, so with with Leonard Williams coming back or staying with us, and um, and the the big loss on the defensive line, um, gosh, now I'm drawing Dalvin. a blank on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tomlinson. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Tomlinson. What what's going to happen with the line? Um, I know. I remember you guys mentioning B.J. Hill coming off the bench was really solid, but I don't know if that implies that that's his kind of role because if you put him in all game he'll get gassed and he can't last as long so I'm just kind of trying to piece together and then you have decks so what are we going to do with the line or what do you foresee happening with the line and then where are we going to get our pass rush from if so it's really kind of just the whole line what's going to happen this coming season 
I think it's going to be schemed pass rush, a lot of twists, a lot of stunts, T-E-E-T, stuff like that. But as for just like the base personnel, say the early downs, the Giants like to run a lot of bear type of fronts. So just like really tight fronts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Usually a four eye tech to the strength nose three tech to the weak side and they always had Dalvin Tomlinson at the nose I think now you're going to see more Dexter Lawrence at the nose his profile fits it he's 346 pounds I think he can two gap eat up blocks allow the linebackers to scrape over the top and make plays he doesn't do it as well as Dalvin Tomlinson who plays with some of the best leverage I've ever seen in the NFL but I think it's going to be his role to do that and then you're going to have Leonard Williams and probably B.J. Hill operating as the 4-I, 3-technique. That's just in base. And then usually in different situations, second and long, third and long, they always change the defense and the fronts are totally different. But in that tight type of front, I think we're just going to see more decks at the nose. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I think Nick nailed that one. I don't have too much more to add. And I'm, all I'll say is I am intrigued to see Dexter Lawrence in that role because I think he's going to add something different than Dalvin Tomlinson offered. They're very different players. And I think one thing you'll see is definitely a small drop-off in the run defense because Mostly, I just feel like Dalvin Tomlinson had an unbelie- did an unbelievable job of creating leverage based on his size. Dexter Lawrence is a much bigger player, and I think it's going to just it's going to be a little different with him in there. But I think they're going to have a little bit more juice in pass rushing. As far as like how do they generate pressure, it's going to be similar to how Graham generated pressure last year, where he did a pretty good job. I think the Giants finished in the top ten or fifteen in sacks, if I remember. And then with Miami as well, it's just. A lot of different blitzes, a lot of different uh, ways to generate pressure, a lot of corner and nickel blitzes. They're going to use these edges in different ways, different kinds of edges in different situations. You'll see Cam Brown in there sometimes, Carter Coughlin, and whoever else they add to the mix. So that I'm less worried about, to be honest. But uh, I do think the the run defense will take a slight fall back without Dalvin for sure. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
I was kind of just trying to visualize how they were going to utilize everybody. And, and I know when Gettleman drafted uh, um, uh, Dexter Lawrence, he said he envisioned him being a pass rusher, not just uh, some guy that's going to plug the middle. So I don't, I can't remember how many sacks he had last year. I think it was only a small handful or something like that. So, Yeah, we, you cut out there a little bit, Arthur. But, yeah, no, I think Dexter Lawrence, for a bigger guy, I mean, he has an impressive amount of lateral agility and la- lateral movement skills that he's shown. I mean, I want to say off the top of my head he had four sacks this season. That's pretty good for somebody who's 346 pounds, typically doesn't profile as somebody who's going to get multiple sacks in a year. But, yeah, I definitely see that athleticism. And he's still a young player. It was just his second year. But thank you, Arthur, for joining us, man. Always a pleasure. We're going to bring Muhammad in. Muhammad, hey, what's going on, guys? I'm hey. here. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing well, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I love the uh, love the work you guys are doing. I love this interactive stuff. Oh, thank um, you. So I wanted to kind of pick your brains, and I know both of you guys love scouting the wide receiver position, especially Dan, on what you guys think the upside is for um, Slayton. Obviously, he had a really good rookie campaign, and then last year, I guess, was just okay. Maybe didn't necessarily improve upon that rookie year, but, you know, was that due to the offense? So I kind of want to know what you guys see from Slayton and what you guys really maybe see what his upside could be. You got it, Dan? Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess I can jump in this one first. Let's, I want to hear from both both of us here, though. Um, for me, Mohamed, I think I'm a little bit higher on Slayton than most are. I think, first of all, I think he was playing through injuries last year, and I think that did limit what he was able to do. I also think, to be completely honest with you, that system wasn't a great fit for Slayton. I don't think that system's really a good fit for anybody on this Giants offense, to be completely honest with you. But Slayton especially, because it was in 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 Pat Shermer's system, for example, so there was a lot of high-low reads. Daniel Jones was reading the field high to low, half-field reads. And Slayton was on those, and Slayton did an excellent job creating over the top. And Slayton did an excellent job underneath as well. That's something you didn't see as much of in 2020. I feel like he wasn't creating the same kind of separation on those in-breaking routes underneath. Was that due to the injury? It might be. Now, what's the ceiling for Slayton? I've come down a little bit on that, to be completely honest with you. There are reasons to believe that he doesn't have the elite traits of a true number one wide receiver. And it's so hard to pinpoint what is a true number one wide receiver. But ultimately, I do like his ability to adjust the catches. I like his body control in the air. I think as far as high-pointing the ball, He's okay. I wouldn't say he's elite in that regard. His hands, I wouldn't say are elite. And his deep vertical speed, I wouldn't say is elite. His ability to create separation with his route running, that's where I think he can get a lot better. It's not elite now, but I think there were signs, especially from his rookie season, where the little nuances that he did uh, to right off his break at the line of scrimmage with his feet, you saw against the Jets, you saw, you saw it in multiple examples. I would have to pull up all the games to remember all of them, but not as much on film in 2020. Again, I think some of that had to do with the injuries. And so for me, I think he can get to that next, I guess, tier just below wide receiver one. I think I've settled in on him being wide receiver two but i think he can be a very very high-end wide receiver two i really do believe that yeah i think he could i could think he could be a solid wide receiver two i mean let's not forget this guy was a fifth round draft selection so it's not someone who was really highly touted he had a really impressive rookie season had somewhat of a sophomore slump but i think dan's right i think he had some injury issues that he was dealing with and the system definitely wasn't cohesive or conducive to his success so I think he can come in and say the Giants do end up drafting one of the top wide receivers in this draft that could be that number one receiver. Slate will be that second fiddle to him as a wide receiver, and I think that's his role that we're going to be looking at for him, and, I, and I'm comfortable with that, to be honest. 
Cool. Awesome. As always, love the insight. You guys are always so detailed, and it's really awesome to hear. Thanks, guys. Hey, yeah. Take care, Mohammed. All right, next we got Richard. Richard Bubb. Come on in, my man. Richie's new to the show. We want to get some new blood in here. Where you at, Richie? Richie! Are you there? Hello? What's up, Rich? How you doing? Hi, how are you? Hey, we're chilling, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I have a a question back from the, the presser that Joe Judge gave. Yeah. When he was doing the presser, he mentioned uh, studying the league and studying college. Then he made a comment. He said, and I'll quote, doesn't matter. Jeremy Pruitt just has a good knack of connecting with everyone. He's one of the best teachers I've ever been around, and he's fun to have in the building and talking ball. I think he's going to help our staff as far as bringing some new ideas and different ways of running our current schemes. One thing you're seeing in the league right now is there's a lot of college schemes that are trickling up to the NFL based on players, their skill sets, and what they're accustomed to doing. Having players like Jeremy, inside linebackers coach Kevin Shearer, defensive line coach Sean Spencer, gives you a little bit of an avenue into looking into ways they've handled similar things in college game. Being able to do it within our own scheme, so it's something that should help us right there. What, what kind of schemes do you think that they might be adopting from the college defenses? From the college defenses? I mean, I know a lot of Big 12 college defenses use a lot more three safeties, which is something that we've seen the Giants do. I'm not really 100% sure exactly where he was going with that from a defensive standpoint, especially because Patrick Graham was so successful this past year running his defense, which was a lot of cover three dates, just not as much man coverage as we expected. We're hoping we see more man coverage. But from an offensive standpoint, I still think these collection of college coaches kind of coming together can also help this Jason Garrett offense because we it kind of was a little bit vanilla. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah, I mean I hope that they, you know they can bring some of the offense. It was just kind of unusual that he mentioned so many of the defensive coaches. Well, well, Richard, you're always you're always developing in the NFL and you're always trying to refine and kind of get ahead of the curve. And I think he's just kind of talking about that. They're never just going to be stagnant. They're always trying to add different kind of concepts and different kinds of coverages to the defensive side of the football, as well as the offense. You're always trying to just grow as a team and, and you never want to be complacent or stagnant. So I think that's kind of what he was. Uh, that, I hope that what that's what he was alluding to. Did you get anything else from what he was uh, talking about? No, but what you said makes makes the the, the Ryan signing signing a little more, you know, makes more even more sense that they signed uh, Logan Ryan then if they were looking to do more three safety. Yeah, well, a lot of the NFL is doing that too. I know the Big 12 has been doing that for the last uh, like two seasons. You start seeing a lot more in 2019 before the pandemic. You just see a lot more uh, just athletes out there. And it makes sense for the Big 12 because their style of football is much more wide open. It's much more speed uh, predicated, not as much running the football. So you get more speed out there. And guys like Jabril Peppers, that's why they're perfect for these types of roles because they are good against the run. They're not liabilities. They can drop in the box, but yet they can flip their hips and cover. And the Giants have couple of those different guys. I mean, Logan Ryan can do that. Julian Love can do that. Xavier McKinney can do that. And then Jabril Peppers can do that. You kind of want to be in that position as a defense. So the personnel kind of fits with what Patrick Graham is doing as well. I, I'm, I'm, I'm high on this defense. I hope they could just find a way to rush the passer. That's really what it's going to come down to. Yeah, I do too. Thanks for joining us, Richard. Glad to Thank have you, you on. Keep, keep yeah, man, you think yourself. All right, next we got Chop Chop. Let's see what Chop Chop's got going Before on. Before Chop Chop joins in. Just want to let everyone know who hasn't seen it, who's on this and hasn't been on their phone or whatnot. According to Ian Rappaport, the Giants have been in talks with Lions star wide receiver Kenny Galladay, a source said, and expect them to bring him in for a visit prior to signing him to a deal. There is mutual interest. 
So there we go. That's that's it's the the the, the, the anticipation will continue to build on this one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's let's hope at this point, man. I mean, you're bringing them in for a visit. Let's hope at this point it's uh it's going to be official and we could be breaking news here on this uh this makeshift show. All right, let's bring Chop Chop in. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Chop Chop? What up? None much, nothing much. All right, I had one quick question. Um, oh, by the way, I should ask first. Have you guys seen the Hassan Reddick deal? I have not seen the uh, the details yet. Okay, I guess I'll just tell you if you trust me. It's a one year, uh, guaranteed six million, and up to eight million. Oh, that's 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 devastating, man. That's it's, devastating. A nice, it's a nice deal for the Panthers. Yeah, right. I feel like yeah. it is. So that's why Remember, I was going to ask. The Panthers, ask... in a lot of ways, are running a similar defense, or they well, want to be running a similar defense to what it, Patrick Graham is doing. It, and, and by the way, the Giants are ahead of the curve on this. This is one area where I think the Giants, and it's tough to say there's too many areas that under the Gettleman uh, era, but. This is one area where they're ahead of the curve, I believe, on the defense. Because as you see these teams move to this style of defense, that the Giants, the Ravens, the Patriots, uh, now, of course, the Panthers are moving toward, it's going to give you an edge. Because this is a great way to set, like, like, I mean, like Richard was saying, like we were just discussing, I mean, ha- those ex- having three safeties on the field more often, being a nickel more often, having guys that can do both things, like Jabril Peppers. I mean, all those things are good. I think Reddick would have been a nice fit at one year, eight million, but. Clearly, they might have uh, their sights set on something bigger right now with Kenny Galladay. Well, we also can't forget that Hassan Reddick went to Temple and Matt Rule recruited yes. him there. So there's a, that's the huge excellent point. Yeah, my bad. You so I did have one question. Kind of what I was asking was, um, uh, first of all, I should ask: Are you guys uh, cool with like Jadavian Clowney? Do you think he fits like the defense? I would be fine with Jadavion Clowney on a very limited deal. I mean, last year we were talking about signing this dude to like a $23 million a year deal. It was absolutely ridiculous. But if he wants to come in for a one-year prove-it type of deal, try to reclaim his his form, I mean, I'd be fine with that. I mean, he has enough athletic ability to to do what Kyler Fackrell did, and we know what he can do as a pass rusher. I still don't think he's refined or really has a lot of great use of his hands quite yet. But from just a power, speed-to-power type of standpoint, I, I'd be okay with that at a, at a cheap price. Yeah, yeah, that's the... what I was thinking because I kind of saw that Reddick deal, and I kind of feel like uh, Clowney would be willing to sign with a team. Maybe not us. Maybe it would be us for that kind of a deal. Yeah, and I'll say this: I'll add this as far as Clowney goes. I agree with everything Nick said. I'm not huge on him as a pass rusher right now, but I do think he has the athletic ability to do what is necessary from the edges in this defense, which is drop in coverage sometimes into that zone. But also, more importantly, if you focus on some of the times the Giants' defense let them down, specifically that Baltimore Ravens game in Week 16, they were getting beat on runs to the edge, runs to the outside. And I think Clowney would do it really would make a huge difference when it comes to setting the edge in the run game and helping them in that regard. And it would really turn their run defense, especially if Dex can, can step up in Dalvin's place, it would turn their run defense into one of the elite in the NFL, I think, if they were able to add a Clowney. Awesome. And I just had one more quick question. Uh, just like, what are your overall thoughts on Adoree Jackson, the former uh, Titans cornerback? And do you think he would work well with this team? Speed. That's my thoughts on Adoree Jackson. I mean, he's still really young. I, again, another cheaper type of deal for this guy, which I don't think, I'm not sure if he'd be had on the cheap. What is he? He's like six foot, 180 pounds or something like that. So he's a little bit skinny. I want to say he was out most of the last year with a knee injury as well. I believe it was a knee injury. But I mean, I'd be all I'd be up for it because I remember like 2018, 2019. I thought he was a pretty solid player for Tennessee, and then he didn't really play all that much this past season. Yep, I, I would echo Nick a lot on that. I think it's a nice. I, these are the type of high risk, high 
sorry, low risk, high reward moves that I like, similar to Ross coming off. Very still a young player with a chance to develop in a different system and a chance to really recreate himself, depending on where he goes and where what team brings him in and if he can fit differently and better with that team. So, yeah, I'm in on that as well. And I think also their special teams upside is there as well. Yep. Chop, chop. Take care of yourself. Marcel, how you doing? Yes, I'm here. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Oh, man. So this has been a crazy roller coaster of emotions as far as free agency goes. But um, other than that, uh, the biggest thing that I wanted to talk about was – why, for the love of me, at least since I've been a Giants fan, do we wait forever to get deals done? For example, like the fact that like we waited for Leo and then it was talked about like that they might rescind the franchise tag after they let Dalvin walk and they cut Zeitler. Like there was a there was a it, it seemed like to me at one point yesterday that there might have been a time span where, like, we could have been without Leo, Zeitler, and Tom Woodson, <laughs> and no comp picks or whatever. Um, and it was just kind of like this This franchise is just kind of sort of, like, getting to me. I guess it's, like, eating at me a little bit. Like, even, even with Devin Booker's signing, like, we jumped to the gun to sign Devin Booker when no other running back has been signed yet, basically. You're you're a basketball fan, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Yeah, Devonte Booker, Devin. Booker. No, yeah, sorry. I meant, no, um, you're fine, man. De- Devin Booker's a stud. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. Can we get Devin Booker on this team? Maybe you can play safety or corner. <laughs> right. You'd be a dominant athlete out there. I think I might take him over Devonte Booker right now. I just think they were really they were being patient and they were trying to figure out a long term deal. For Leonard Williams. I think it all came down to we need to get a Leonard Williams under contract to lower that $19 million cap hit to something more sustainable. And they were able to do that. They got it down to 11. And I think their target was to get somebody like Kenny Galladay or just another big type of receiver. I think that's something they really wanted to do. That's why the uh, Devontae Booker, almost a Devin Booker, the Devontae Booker signing just was was head scratching it coming on the first day but I do believe they really wanted to just get that deal done with Leonard Williams and there's more to that deal as well I mean he's still filing a grievance with the NFL trying to get paid under his franchise tag as an edge from last season that still has yet to be resolved so there's kind of a lot of moving parts with that but I think that was a big focus of the Giants to free up that cap space and then obviously Zeitler ended up being a cap casualty they ended up restructuring Nate Solder which was good dropping that cap hit down significantly so I think it was just kind of taking care of the contracts they had in-house, retaining Leonard Williams, and then a byproduct of it was just sayonara to Kevin Zeitler, sadly. All righty. Nick LaBella was good. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? What's going hey, on, we're Nick? chilling, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Dan, how's Vegas? It's treating me well so far. It's early. It's, I'm going to be here for a little while, and then I'm heading out a little bit to, uh, to different, different areas of the, of, the, of the West Coast out here. Hopefully, so hopefully getting out to some of the parks as well around here and do some nice uh, little hikes. But yeah, it's been great so far. It's fun out here. Nice. We're here freezing and going through the emotions, as you know. <laughs> Sorry to All hear right. that. So here's my question. If God willing, we get KG and he comes in at number 11. If Waddle's on the board, do you go Waddle or do you or do we go after that kid, uh, Gregory uh, from Miami that everybody's got projected to take? So I mean, I feel like I'm going to have a different take than Nick on this one. So it'll be interesting. And I like Waddle as a prospect. 
But if they sign Kenny Galladay after signing John Ross, who I probably have higher expectations and hopes for than most, I really do. I got to be honest. I'm out on receiver in first round. I'm completely out on it. There's, I don't know how they would get Waddle, Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Ingram, Barkley, and maybe John Ross as well on the field at once. It doesn't, unless you're playing with, you know, without an offensive tackle and you put Evan Ingram at right tackle, which would be an absolute disaster. There's just too many bodies there to, to feed. And there's, and the Giants also want to run 12 personnel, by the way. Jason Garrett wants to run 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field. So it really won't make much sense to me. Um, you'll never see Caden Smith. So I'm complete, if they sign Galladay, I'm completely out on wide receiver at 11. I don't care how good the value is. I never ultimately think a, a wide receiver in the top 11 is, great, is that great of value anyway to begin with. I think the position is extremely overrated. And I also think you can find great talent at the position and all different kinds of rounds. A.J. Brown, second. McLaurin, a third. The, the list goes on and on. So I'd be out. As far as where I would go, it wouldn't be Rousseau. He'd be way down my list. Top of my list, if they sign Galladay, would be one of two players. Either Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle at a Northwestern, and you could start him at guard, or you could play him at right tackle. Either one, it's going to be an upgrade for your offense. Or more likely, my number one option will be Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. I think if you put Parsons on this defense, you can use him in so many fun, creative ways. I think he'd literally line up as an edge on some passing downs. I think he'd line up in the middle and blitz the A-gap. He's going to help you in the run defense. He has he projects to have upside as a pass. Uh, I'm sorry, in pass coverage, he hasn't really shown at all, but he definitely projects to have it there. He could just be that playmaker this defense has needed for so, so long and the best linebacker they've had on the inside since Antonio Pierce, or really since Blake Martinez, who was amazing last year. And just to have both of those guys on the field at the second level is so exciting. And then also, I would also throw in there Patrick Sertan, who looks like a cookie-cutter perfect fit for this Patrick Graham defense. And obviously, Caleb Farley, who I haven't gotten into, but I, I see some big upside there, too. Yeah, I second that as well, Nick, what Dan said. about uh, The one thing I will say, though, is I wouldn't be totally against entertaining Jalen Waddle, but uh, I, I really would love the prospects of adding a Micah Parsons to that defense. I'm not really big on Gregory Rousseau, to be honest. Like, I prefer Jalen Phillips' teammate if all of his medicals check out. No, I agree with you guys. I just see everybody projecting us to get him. And quite frankly, from I've seen what I heard, he's a poor version of JPP, which isn't high on my board whatsoever. Yeah, and we also haven't seen him in a year. And it just doesn't seem like a a pick Gettleman would make. Gettleman loves guys who've been in college for four years, seniors, team captains. This guy was a redshirt sophomore who hasn't played football in, uh, what, 19 months, like Dave Gettleman said in his press conference, like a lot of these guys haven't. So it just doesn't seem like something he would do either. And the last thing I was going to ask you guys, Solder, coming back, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, we actually discussed this one on the podcast earlier today, but we'll we'll do a quick – we'll. We'll do a quick recap here, Nick, just in case you haven't heard it, and it did just drop. We like it. We're both fans of this. I'm probably a little bit bigger fan than Nick. I don't know if that's true, though. I just know that I was a little more vocal about it. I don't think it's easy at all to find offensive tackles in the NFL. I think it's one of the hardest things you can try to find. If they were to, let's say, just cut Solder. So what ended up happening, he took a legit pay cut. So the Giants were going to get this. We're going to clear the same amount of cap space they would from releasing him as they would from restructuring him, and he took a pay cut, and he's going to be – on the books for the same price. So now what they have is a nice reserve tackle, someone who can play left tackle. He won't have to, but he can in case, God forbid, Andrew Thomas gets hurt. And otherwise, if Matt Parrott isn't ready to step in at right tackle, he can come and play right there. Now, the other options would have been re-sign someone like Cam Fleming. And I got to be honest with you, Nick, I hated watching Cam Fleming all throughout 2020. (laughs) 
I, I just couldn't watch it. It was it's tough to watch. I thought he was much worse than even given credit for. So I think Soldier can be a much better player than him. So I always want to have depth at the offensive line. My, I've been clear with this, and I'll, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. You can never have too many offensive linemen. You can never have too many backup offensive linemen. You can never have too much talent. You can never have too much developmental prospects there. You can never have too, many, a veteran, too much of a veteran presence. I treat it like a bullpen in baseball where you just need to keep adding bodies there, and you need to always have insurance plans. So I like the move. Yeah, as do I. I mean, I think that he can just compete with Matt Parrott and just having that veteran presence in the locker room on that offensive line. I think that can't be uh, overstated, to be honest, especially someone with a championship pedigree like Nate Solder. All right, guys, thanks. Hey, take care of yourself. Thanks for joining us, Nick. It was good to hear from you again, man. All right, we got one last speaker. Joe Smith is going to come in. It's last speaker. Joe, how are you? Doing good, my man. How are you? What's up, Joe? I'm chilling, brother. How you guys doing? Good, man. Hanging out. How's Vegas, Dan? It's been great so far. I mean, it's early. It's early on. Just got here last night late. Had some fun the first night. Um, it's pretty fun so far, and I, I'm really excited for the coming days here, especially once the tourney gets going. Not, oh, yeah, that's going to be madness there. Are you oh, playing yeah. any table games, any craps or uh, Texas Hold'em? Yeah, actually, I played a little craps last night and a little PLO. Hold'em, to me, has gotten a little boring. So uh, I don't blame I'm you. I'm a PLO oh, fan. But, big uh, craps guy. Big craps, craps is the best. Too. Craps is literally the best game in the casino by far. There's no oh. other game where literally you can play it and every single person is on your team. The, when you win, the entire table wins. It's why it's the best game by far. Especially when... When someone goes on a nice little run for like 15, 20 minutes, the crowd's going crazy. Nothing exactly, bro. Exactly. All right, so I'll make this quick. Now that KG seems like he's coming in, hopefully they get them. Hopefully that closes everything. They get him signed. That's what the hope is. Like, what would be the next step, you guys think? Going cornerback, edge. I just jumped on cornerback, edge. Or do you even put more resources into the offensive line? Because I feel that's the most important thing. Obviously, seeing if DJ is the guy coming into year three, this is very important. Like, I love going after Slater if he's there or part my top two, like you guys stole kind of my, my thunder. What do you guys think? Get KG. So, if the Giants do end up signing KG, you got to look at that 11th pick, look at the guys who are going to be available. You're looking at someone like a Rashawn Slater, possibly a Patrick Sertan or a Caleb Farley at cornerback, and then Micah Parsons. Like, we said uh, just earlier, and honestly, I think all those guys would be on the table, but there's other offensive linemen, even if Slater isn't there, like a Tevin Jenkins or a Christian Derisaw, big physical type of tackles with good movement skills, especially in Jenkins' case. I think those guys should be entertaining. Dan said it plenty of times on the podcast. I mean, I say it. I, I don't think it can be I, – I think I just think it's incredibly important to add to the offensive line and continue to bolster that, especially when you consider how much Daniel Jones has been under pressure for – just his entire career since 2019 when he came in. So I'd be all for adding to the offensive line. I think that's a necessity. But you also got to look at the edge position too because the Giants need help rushing the passer. Yeah, I'm with with Nick on this one. Uh, I'm also actually with you as well on this one, Joe. You know how I feel about offensive line. I I know. If the Giants think they can just walk into a season with Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez and some kind of late-round pick there, and then the tackle situation is whatever. I'm, I'm kind of fine with the tackle situation. If they want mm-hmm. to push that off to a year and see if Matt Perrick can immediately just, boom, he steps right in, he takes a huge jump, and now you don't have to worry about that position for a while because you got Thomas and Perrick. And then you have the backup plan of, of, of Solder for this last year. That I'm actually fine with because they can go back to the drawing board and look at tackle again next offseason. I will say this. It's an unbelievably strong and deep tackle class, and that's not going to happen every year. 
It may not happen next year. It may not happen the year after that. But I'm willing to take that gamble. As far as guard goes, I'm completely with you. I want to look at someone like Andrew Norwell. I want to look at someone like Trey Turner. I want to look at guards that can potentially come in and either start or provide depth. And I'm not even necessarily saying I don't want to sign two guards. I'm, I'm not opposed to that as well. The way I view the offensive line, they just got to keep adding bodies there, add talent, add competition. Competition beat, you know, will breed a better end result, I think. So I'm with you there. That would be I, I gotta be honest, like that would probably be my next priority. Over corner, over edge. Edge, it's a hard one to say over edge. Because edge yeah, that's is what so we're... desperate right now with the injuries. Yeah. So if you had to choose either like getting an edge rusher next in free agency, someone like Van Noy, where he can be like a hybrid guy going right. playing all over the field, or going with like the best guard available. I feel like the like the defense is already solid when we had no edge rushers last year or not even, and we didn't play with a cornerback too last year. We had Yadam, right. who was horrible most of the year. He was okay, but he wasn't even near as good as obviously Bradbury or actual CB two. Would you sacrifice that like rolling with the edge rushers we have now and, Oh, and hopefully upgrading a cornerback too, and then going for a guard just so we can see what DJ really is, give him all out the best opportunity. I feel like that's the best, choice right is this also assuming that the giants sign galladay or is that yes 100 percent. he comes in tomorrow or the next two days he everything checks out they sign him are you guys going like sacrificing the edge position next year or going for the guard more likely it's a great question because i think today you just saw as we're discussing this the the chiefs just signed kyle long out of retirement to a one-year five million dollar deal i love that move for kansas city i love everything they've done this offseason they signed him and Thune, they just said, screw it. We're not going to take any chances, any gambles with the offensive line. We saw what happened in the Super Bowl. We're not stupid. We're not going to go out and get another receiver. We got this. Um, so I get what you're saying, and it definitely makes sense. Um, but I would actually probably just go for the if – it's, if it's between Van Noy and someone else, I'd probably go for Van Noy. I like the potential mm. there. I, I think the guard position can potentially be found in the second day of the draft or even in the second round of the draft. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel that comfortable about saying that about Edge. I mean, they have to kind of pray like a Jalen Phillips will fall to them, which I don't even think, or Ujulari. I don't think that's going to happen either, and I don't think he's going to fall. So then you're really gambling, and once you get to day three, you're so much more likely to, found, to find a guard who can play than you are an Edge. I mean, Jalen Lemieux wasn't perfect by any means, but he was capable of being on the field at least, and you found him in the fifth. You're never going to find an edge in the fifth who's going to be able to play. I mean, you got Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin. They're like weird-type edges that fit Patrick Graham's system, but neither of them could play as many snaps as like a Shane Lemieux would. So for me, I just think the scarcity is the position scarcity factor comes into play here, for me at least, and I would prioritize edge for that reason. I also think just Kyle Van Noy, just the leadership that he would bring and the versatility that he would bring. He can play off-ball linebacker next to Blake Martinez if he has to. He has that in his repertoire. And he can also blitz really well from any position along the front. So I'd probably go with Van Noy over, say, someone uh, like a Trey Turner. And I don't also don't know what happened with Trey Turner in uh, – out there with the Chargers. I know you could say the same thing with Miami, but Kyle Van Noy seemed like he was taken very aback. Um, he was taken back when he was released. I don't think there was a like a, something nefarious going on with him. It was just it just didn't work out, and they just didn't. Uh, they thought the contract wasn't worth what he was. Uh, what he guess he gave, and they really liked Andrew Van Ginkle. Shout out to Dan. So uh, mm-hmm. I think I would go with Mr. Van Noy as well. Mm, very cool. Last question: Who do you guys got winning the tournament? Oh, awesome question. Right, let me let me get my let me get my take first. I don't know anything. Go down. It's such a trash take. It's like it's it's sickening. It's it's really that's really sad. Sickening. That hurts. It's sad. It's it's my really sad. This guy can't get into it. 
No, it's not all good. It's not all good. It's not all good. It's not all good, Joe. It's not all good. This man, first of all, he's never listened to any Mar- any Marshall Mathers LP. He doesn't know anything. That, I know. You know I heard step that. Step your game up, man. I know, right? Wasn't that disgusting to hear, Joe? Yes, that does hurt. But I it do hurts. like, honestly, Recovery is a very good album, though, because it has some. It, it has a lot of catchy songs. That's why. It's underrated. Yeah, it's underrated a great album. It's just not, without a doubt, the best Eminem album. That's how it was first described to me by Nick. It's just unbelievable tape. <laughs> And um, then I then didn't, he I didn't like, say it with any sort of passion. It was a question. It was like a it was there were, there were like my voice went up at the end of it. Like eh, I don't it? know about that. Yeah. I don't I don't have it recorded and I don't have proof, but I don't think the voice went up at any point in that. Um, I will say this though, Joe, as far as who's winning the tournament, to me it's so clear cut and it's so surprising that these two, that the second best odds are Illinois. To me, the two the only teams that have any chance to win this tournament are Gonzaga and it's Baylor. Gonzaga. Yeah, and, me too. Yeah, Gonzaga, but I think Baylor too. And you can get Baylor at plus 1,000 right now. And Baylor has an incredibly easy draw. They have the side with Villanova there on that side, I'm pretty sure, on that bracket, which is just a disgusting five seed, the worst in the tourney without Connor Gillespie. They were bad even with him. Now they're horrendous. And mm-hmm. at the bottom, I, I'm not sold on Iowa. I'm sorry, on um, Ohio State. And Baylor earlier this season, and I watched this game, it was a really eye-opening game. They beat Illinois handily. They beat them by like 20 points, and it wasn't a close game. Two best They just got hot at the right time. They've been yeah. on fire. That's the scary part with them. It, that's like Oklahoma State with two with, uh, with Kate Cunningham. That guy, yeah. he's just dangerous. He could, He's going to be the number one pick, but that guy's just a straight monster. It's going yeah, like to be a good tournament. Yeah, I like them as a sleeper. And my other big prediction would be Oregon beats Iowa in the second round to go to the second Wow, the they got gunners. Iowa would be my... because they can just shoot from any – like, if they get hot, I don't think anyone's going to be able to take them out. Well, I'm just saying, like, from the three-point line. I, yeah. I think I saw them watch uh, play Illinois, too, and I, at home, I think they scored, like, 30 points in, like, the first seven minutes of the game, eight minutes of the game. They were just hitting from everywhere. It was insane. But Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be fun, though. I can't wait for it. Thank you, guys. For everything, Dan, have a good time. Nick, watch some college Thanks, basketball bro. this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you Bye, take guys. care. All righty, everybody. That is all the time we have today. Thank you guys for coming on. And, uh, Dan, you want to tell tell everybody where they can find us? Yeah, no doubt about it. If you guys want to follow us, follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. That's NYBigBlueBanter. We're getting super active on Instagram, so please do us a favor if you haven't already and you have Instagram, just literally take five seconds and hit follow. We would really appreciate that. And if you haven't, I'm sure some of you have, because I literally ask it every single time, and I say the word literally way too often, by the way. But please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You know where to do that. You know how to do that. So please do that. And those are the only two things we'll ask for. And we had a really good time doing this. We're going to keep rolling through and doing this. Uh, Hopefully more people join in and hit that speak button, and we can talk to more of you. Have a great rest of your week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. 
Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 